podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi, Paul Dennett here. Just letting you know that Cricket Unfiltered is now on Patreon. If you are a fan of our show and would like to support us with a few dollars each month, go to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered or click the link in the show notes on your podcast app. Men is here. Our Patreon supporters will also get some pretty cool bonus content. Paul will be doing a series of cricket history podcasts. And Manners will be doing long-form interviews with leading cricket personalities. All of these shows, plus other bonus features, will be available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. So if you want some great extra content, or if you just love the show and would like to help support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered. Josh, congratulations on the call-up. What was your reaction like when you heard the news? Thanks, Andrew. Um, yeah, it was just uh, it was pure elation, really. Um, obviously, I was I was in the UK at the time um, in the hundred competition, and um, to get the call from George was was just amazing. So um, it gave me a huge boost. Yeah, I'm just really proud. And welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Andrew Mansell. That was Josh Inglis, the new Australian squad member. I'm joined by prominent cricket podcaster and now <laughs> super coach expert, Jaleesa Apps. Jaleesa, how are you? Neither of those things are true, but I'm very good. I'm very sorry I missed last week. I was a late withdrawal because of uh, work things. So I'm very happy to be back. And I didn't get to, I actually haven't listened to last week's podcast yet because I've been really busy. So no doubt you absolutely slammed me. I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> there's, the, there's an interesting dynamic. I'd managed to aggravate Paul just before we started recording. So he went into it a little bit stroppy with manners. True. I think you can hear it during the recording there. He's, Paul Dennett, have you um, cheered up a bit since last week? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was fine. I was fine. I've cheered up. But one thing I've got to um, take issue <clears throat> I must admit, I haven't heard Josh Inglis talk much. And you said beforehand to me that he's got this massive Yorkshire accent. I mean, he, he's got a, a trace still of the Yorkshire accent, but that's more Australian than Yorkshire. That's not, oh, that's rubbish cricket. That is like Jeff Boycott. He doesn't speak like that at all. It's certainly come down a bit from when I interviewed him for the Big Smash Cricket podcast three or four years ago. It's certainly, um, he's Aussieified it a little bit. Um, yeah, but uh, you can hear me grilling him. With the hard questions, like, what was your feeling like when you got it? <laughs> right, we've got a lot to talk about in this episode. We're going to get into the cricket headlines. Then there's going to be a vociferous debate about our World Cup 11s. All three of us are going to announce who we would pick in the first game against South Africa. And then we'll bring it on home with Can't Let It Go. Um, but let's get into the headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. There's some shield cricket going on at the moment. Um, Queensland and South Australia played out a draw, but there were some significant performances um, from players that are looking to get into the Ashes. 
none more so than Usman Khawaja, who made 174 in Queensland's second innings. And I guess, I mean, I'll start with you, Paul, with Pekofsky suffering a head knock. Do you think this kind of puts Khawaja in pole position? Certainly gives him a massive chance. Uh, I think both as opener and at number five. And uh, I still hope that Pekofsky can come right. And, you know, he's the one I want opening the batting for Australia. But uh, I want him in the side. Um, I take your point, Menas, that you're listening to. I think it was Crash Craddock talking about maybe that he should um, slide down the order. I'd be happy with that as well. But I just think Pekofsky such a such a talent that we, we need him in the side. Obviously, his health comes first. But uh, Kawaja, I'd be more than happy to have in there as well. Um, I think that he's... Um, Deserves deserves another chance. It'd be great if it if it does happen. Uh, just interesting to note that um, Cricket Victoria general manager Sean Graff actually said that it wasn't a full concussion, so it wasn't uh, you know like a really bad knocked out kind of situation. It sounds more like he's had a bit of a knock to the head and then a few headaches afterwards, which obviously with someone who's got such a history of concussion, you're going to be very wary of. And cricket takes concussion really seriously and does a really good job at protecting um, players who get it. So obviously everyone's going to be a bit wary, but it did give me a little bit of hope when I heard that because I thought, oh, maybe maybe he's not, uh, maybe this isn't as bad as we think and it doesn't rule him out. That's good to hear. I actually hadn't heard that. I'm, 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 I'm also heartened by that. A separate point, um, and I know you've got to train hard in the nets and everything else, but we had some friendly fire in the World Cup. When it, who was it? Um, uh, Sean Marsh in the 2019 World Cup got his hand busted. And who was the other player? Someone else got their, um, yeah. got injured in the nets. And, you know, there could be an argument to say, look, Pekovsky, you you don't bowl bounces to him in the nets at all. Um, or if you do, you use a rubber ball. He's going to get plenty out there in the middle, but let's not get him injured um, uh, away from the game as well. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if maybe it's too much for Pekovsky to throw him into an Ashes series, opening the batting with, you know, 10 plus concussions already. You know, obviously they're going to bounce him like crazy if he goes out there. So perhaps they should maybe wait until this Ashes series is over and give Kawaja, you know, a shot to, you know, up the top of the order where he averages almost 100 and sort of just wait on Pekoski to, I guess, settle down a little bit after what's been a really harrowing few years for him. I I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree less with that because I think he, uh, he knows, he is a player that has ruled himself out before and he's very wary and very in tune with his own body and very open about it too. I think that he wouldn't take the chances if he didn't feel right. And also, like, when this debate came up last summer about putting him in, is it, you can't just wait around for people to write. Either they're going to be right or they're not going to be right, and he knows best. So I don't agree with that at all. I agree with you, Julie, so I don't agree with that at all. And I think that even if it was... Even if I sort of agree with it, it's not as though England is some fearsome lineup that you've got to be uh, modelly coddling him away from that. That um, it's a fairly in prospect, um, quite possibly an easy batting series. Well, I can see where you're both coming from because he is a super talent, but I just think this head knocks a bit concerning, and I like the fact that Kawaj is experienced. He's accomplished, and it's just let's win this Ashes series. Let's not worry about the future. Let's not worry about next year. Let's just worry about these five test matches. That's why. You, that's he's why the best you, one to do that. Yeah, Pekovsky is, you know, averages 53. He's, he's, 
he's, uh, you know, I, I, I like Kawaja. I'd be happy for him to be in there. I like Head. I'd happy, be happy for him to be in there as well. But I think that Pekovsky is, a, is in prospect and right now probably a better batsman than both of them. Yeah, stick him in at number five, then Pekovsky and have Kawaja open. A um, couple of uh, fast bowling, fast bowlers news. So Mark Steckity, who was on the tour of South Africa that was cancelled, or he was picked for the tour of South Africa, he took 10 wickets in the latest Shield game. And I just wonder whether he's someone who might sneak into an extended Ashes squad if if they have to carry like they did last year, you know, 20 players around the country. Uh, it's certainly not beyond the, the realms of possibility. Um, you know, his record averages uh, 26.7. He's 27 years of age. Um, that's not bad, but I, I think that there'd be sort of others others definitely ahead of him. I mean, Jai Richardson's got a bit of an injury, so I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. But I think that uh, Nisa would be ahead of him and Pattinson would probably be ahead of him as well at this stage. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, you mentioned that Joe Richardson having a back spasm before the Shield game. That is concerning. It was his first Shield game in a couple of years and hasn't quite made it through. So I'll be watching that one closely because he's such a huge prospect. The other one that, and I, I, Joel Paris, who's has no form at all because he's constantly been injured. Um, occasionally, I look at his record and just remark at how good it is with bat and ball. Um, he's someone that. I can't see it happening anytime soon, but if he could string together a, a few months of good, healthy cricket, maybe he could one day come and uh, still into contention as well. Definitely. Handy bat too. All right, let's stay dom- on the domestic news. And the Women's Big Bash League has got off to a great start. Cricket Australia released some figures today, but basically there's a 58 58- percent increase in the television audience from last year saturday night's game was the highest ever home and away game not shown on the main channel on channel seven so they had viewers a viewing audience of two hundred ninety-four thousand. and then on sunday afternoon the heat scorchers game had two hundred sixty-five thousand viewers um, that marks a pretty good result for the competition yeah, I think also credit to Cricket Australia. Often we are very critical of these organisations um, at times, but I'm credit, not, credit to never. <laughs> <laughs> but credit to Cricket Australia when they were faced with a lot of adversity and a lot of challenges, as it was getting any games up, that they haven't ever wavered from the WBBL, um, and particularly with the lockdown that happened in Tasmania, it would have been just so easy to throw your hands up and go, this is too hard. But um, they kept it going. And I think this year is just so perfectly timed. There's nothing else that interrupts it, which is something that frustrates me so much in particularly the NRLW for anyone listening who is overseas, that's our rugby league women's competition. They run it concurrently Mm -hmm. with, well, they have in the past with the men's final. And that is so ridiculous because it gets completely buried and no media attached to it. Like we ran, I know in our news on the weekend, we ran a whole package on the WBBL. Sometimes we don't run packages on uh, men's cricket, but there was, there's nothing else to run. And also the games were really good. So um, it's just been perfectly timed for maximum exposure this year. 
I have been enjoying it immensely. It's only just started, but I've been watching it more this year than, than I ever have before. Uh, I mentioned it on Twitter the other night. It annoys me that Crick Info doesn't have the proper ball-by-ball commentary uh, for I it. I saw that. And um, like that, so what they do is for what they deem to be second-tier matches, when you go to the commentary, it's just an algorithm. And so, for example, let's take one of the more famous balls ever, the, um, that where, the ball where Australia got the tie in the World Cup semi-final of 1999. The way, using the modern way that they're doing the WBBL, that would have been just described as 49.4 Fleming to Klusner, Donald run out. And that was it. There's no, this is the most amazing moment of all. There's no commentary. It's just a drone that's, that's doing Andy it. It's still sprinting in from the sidelines. <laughs> this will be reverberating around the cricket world forever. It's just, it's just that. And you can't, when it's the proper commentary, I have actually consumed games that way. It's not as good as a TV or a radio, but it, you can actually get into the game and really yeah. enjoy it. You can't when it's like this. And I actually decided I'd do it myself. Uh, so I spent um, the other night trying to do, just practicing on my own website, the Oman um, Papua New Guinea game. And I discovered that they must have some good software there because I couldn't keep up. I was typing and it was 49.4. And I, was, I ended up, it was just a schmozzle. So I can't, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it myself. But um, it was a nice Keep persisting. Idea I think you could. Yeah, I think, I don't know, it might require someone... Just a bit more nimble than me. <laughs> all, all the-, the other thing that's been really great with the WBBL is uh, obviously the addition of the Indian players staying on this year has just been added so much more interest to it. And in both formats, the BBL and the WBBL, just when you get a few of those international players, it just changes things. And, uh, yeah, it's been great. And watching Sophie Devine too, she was just fantastic the other day, so... Been been some really good moments and good exposure for it. So after the first weekend, the Sixers are on top with two wins from two games, and then the Strikers at Renegades and the Scorchers have all won a game, and they they all finished in the last over. One went to a super over, which was fantastic. I must admit, though, something triggered me a little bit on Sunday afternoon, less so about the cricket and more so about the way it's covered. So on Sunday yeah. afternoon, the Heat and the Scorchers were, were playing out an absolute thriller and it, it got down to the, the last over and a, a young Scorchers bowler, Lily Mills, was bowling and she was bowling terrifically well and she did manage to restrict the Heat uh, in that last over so the scores were tied. But she fielded awfully at the bowler's end. She missed two easy runouts, easy returns, regulation, take the ball, take the the stump, the bail off, and you've got a run out. She missed two of those. She never looked like executing the run out. So, look, that's it is what it is, just the skills thing that she needs to practice. But I was surprised that the commentators, for some reason on the TV, didn't really draw attention to the fact that the bowler had effectively cost her team the game in regulation time. And I know there's this sort of earnestness to be positive about women's cricket and be positive about the WBBL. But Elise Perry said in the off season, and she's spot on, that if the game's to be taken seriously, you need both praise and criticism when it's warranted. This absolutely infuriated me because it was so blatantly ignored and she had an absolute cluster. Like she stuffed that up twice, not even like a little bit, but terribly it was she had the chance for the run out and was just fumbled and it looked like it wasn't even really a skill thing it just looked like she panicked 
And it was that's something that obviously will come with experience where you're not going to panic in those situations. But this was so blatantly ignored. I don't know where you were watching it, Menace, but I was watching it on Fox. And if that was a men's game, you would turn around that replay so quickly. You would have turned that around and had your commentators, you know, up and about and, you know, because it actually made the game, it made the game far more interesting because what ended up happening was the super over and then you got to see Sophie Devine um, belt those two sixes. But at the time, I was just sitting there screaming at the TV, like, where's the replay? I want to see the replay. If this was any other game, any game of men's cricket, you would be turning that around so quickly. And it was just so blatantly ignored. It's like no one really knew in production oh, are we going to show this? Are we going to not? Like, are we going to get slammed if we show it? Well, no. The the game is at a standard now where you need to be calling out absolute clusters. You don't need to be sitting there going, oh, the women can't hit big enough. The women can't fall fast enough. That's that's where you're getting, you know, ridiculous and nitpicky and you're not appreciating parts of the game that are good. But that was an absolute cluster that needed to be acknowledged. I agree. I should also... <laughs> point out that whenever there's an article about uh, shares or stocks, the author is obliged at the bottom to disclose any fiduciary interest. Menas did back Perth at 34 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> and because it was a tie, the bet was made null and void. So <laughs> I, I, I take his point, but I also think there's a little bit of anger there from a, from the hip pocket point of view as well. <laughs> well, I had, I had no bet in there. <laughs> I'm upset at Lily for making the mistake. Uh, there's no issue with that. She actually didn't like executing either of those runouts. I mean, she was so nervous. She tensed up. Her hands looked like rocks. And I'm watching on TV from Sydney. So that, that's fine. So it's not – obviously, Paul uh, would have liked the, the win on that bet. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's certainly got nothing to do with that. I just – it annoyed me like the commentators just glossing over it. And uh, I just think there's so many good things in every game now. It's not gonna. It's, it's not gonna be a problem if you you point out where they've made a mistake. Uh, it's patronising not to. And the thing is, is that um, she. I agree, agree. I don't think I was angry at what you know that she had a bit of a barry, but and she would know that she's had a bit of a barry, and it wasn't even a reflection of her skills. It was just a reflection that she panicked under pressure, and you know, doing more of that will you know getting into more of those situations. She won't do that, but. The thing was the same for me, Matters. It was just that, you know, you glossed over it and it was like, okay, so am I just going to sit here and pretend that, you know, I'm going to praise everything? Because that was not good. Yep, I agree. So the WBBL is continuing. They're in uh, Tasmania at the moment. Then they're moving around the country. There was a short lockdown in Hobart over the weekend, but they did manage to get the games um, going. And I, I was just sort of thinking on Friday, I really feel sorry for the administrators in cricket. Like Nick Hockley doesn't have any hair, but I'm sure like, like there's just every, like everything's going. I'm sure like he's hairless all over because on Friday they get the lockdown in Hobart. You get a rogue premier scrapping quarantine. You've got the English team now thinking, well, if we go to Sydney, we don't have to quarantine. I mean, it would be nightmare central down at Jollymont right now. Yep. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough time to be a sports administrator. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. So it just annoys me that it's in Jollymont. It's time to come up to Sydney. Yeah, I think Nick Hockley actually is in Sydney. I think he lives up here. But I wonder if the news about um, the quarantine restrictions being eased in New South Wales, 
will have an effect on um, the Ashes. Will they push for uh, coming into Sydney to start the tour off? Or the the family, the English families are supposed to come into Victoria to spend Christmas there. Would they swap the Boxing Day and SCG test so uh, the English families could come into Sydney and not have to quarantine? And no. Sydney nabs the Boxing Day test. Yes, no. I like it. Yes, yes, yes. Sydney. I think you're gonna. I think there's a lot to be discussed and developed in this line because it, my understanding of the situation is um, our friend um, Perite has maybe fired a little bit early on what is actually going to be allowed. So uh, perhaps we um, are going to see a few more developments with what is actually going to be allowed in terms of people not quarantining, and also that you know. ScoMo made it pretty clear the other day that actually only applies to Australian residents or citizens or whatever. So I, I think there's a few things to be nutted out here. I still think the fixtures, I still think the fixtures will go ahead exactly how they look. I think it will all get to 80% by then. We've still got a lot of time to get to 80%. And I think that I, I don't see them. And I see by that point a lot of people not not being forced to quarantine. That I can't see. It. I agree. I think obviously the Perth test, the fifth one, still probably the most doubtful. But that aside, and I still think it will probably go ahead as well. I don't think that unless there's a major COVID scare that forces them to change. <laughs> I don't think the cricket Australia would, would want to change the order. And even if they did, as I, as I understand it, even if they said, okay, yeah, English players can come into Sydney and not quarantine. They'd still be required to quarantine um, going up to to the Gabba, and I don't think they're going to pull the Brisbane test off them. So, I, I think they'd say we've started t- selling tickets, we've we've signed off on it, we're this far in advance, we're, we're this far advanced. Unless something dramatic occurs, um, we'll keep the schedule as is. But um, I'll add that, of course, many many times during this pandemic, I've confidently stated something, and two weeks later, it's, made, it's been made to look stupid because it is a fast moving world. Yeah, as as many premiers, the <laughs> Queensland are changing their COVID regulations at the moment and they might they may let people in who are vaccinated. So, look, I, I actually think this schedule is probably going to change a little bit, but Nick Hockley certainly wasn't having a bar of it. He was like, I've spent hours and hours putting the schedule together. It's very far advanced. Uh, but in the end, we've seen from the negotiations, if the English, if the ECB say, look, you know, we're not coming if we have to quarantine, then they'll they'll change it. But they've already agreed to that. Um, they've, they've agreed to that. And I think that there's already people that would have said, right, I live in um, Mount Isa and I have booked tickets to go to the first day of the Gabba test. The goodwill that they would lose by starting to make these changes is, is mounting by the day. Well, let's see. All right. So other news, unfortunately, Paul... Delisa and our application to be Australian selector was rejected. For some reason, they've gone for ex-Australian all-rounder Tony Dottermaid, who also has been an executive on the, the chief executive of the Western Australian Cricket Association and Victorian Cricket. So he's highly qualified. I'm not sure he would have done a, he's going to do a better job than three of us would have. But look, I asked him a question uh, when he fronted the media today. Just wondering sort of what sort of things you sort of put forward to the when you were applying for the job, what sort of your view of the selection process has been from the outside? Firstly, I think well, I was really keen to put forward uh, just my own excitement to, to do the role. Um, you know, I hadn't really thought about it at, uh, at the time. 
um, was made aware that it was available and uh, had a look at the PD. And, and the more I thought about it and the more I, uh, I read it, um, I really started to think and believe that, uh, that my experience, both in you know, from a playing side, but also in, in administration and management, would be really well suited and complement the team. So, so uh, it's it's um, you know I'm, I'm obviously just really fresh, uh, having been appointed yesterday, uh, and so uh, and so there were no um, sort of observations or criticisms of the process at the time. It was really a case of uh, I felt that um, you know I could really. I could really um, help the team and help the wider Australian cricket network. And uh, you know, once I'm looking forward to getting in and, and having a look under the hood and seeing what processes and systems and, and data is available. And uh, and I, I believe that, you, that that's really an evolving thing as well. That you can uh, that those things are changing all the time in high performance sport. Uh, being part of hockey for the past couple of years as well, just seeing how they go about it as well. And and so I know that those things evolve over time. And so I'm I'm really keen not just to to do a a job of, um, you know, and assist the, the short-term needs of picking uh, teams for series and games coming up, but also to look longer term and, and look at to how we can evolve the system and have the best selection by performance process, you know, in world sport. Well, that was the new Australian selector, Tony Dottermade. And, uh, Jaleesa, any concerns for you that you've got someone coming in from outside cricket now? He hasn't been working in cricket for a few years. Is that a worry? Uh, no, I think it all takes all types to be a, a selector. So, no, I'm, uh, I've got no concerns about that. I'm just a little bit bitter. It's hard to see someone else living your dreams. <laughs> Paul, I can imagine if Jaleese is bitter, you must be ropeable. Oh, look, it's fine. I mean, he's a perfectly eminently fine choice. It just seems to me weird that we there are 8 billion people in the world and we limit our choices to players who played a little bit of test cricket. It's like... <laughs> There are about 27 people who they ever consider. Like, if it's not going to be him, it would have been Mike Valletta or Trevor Barsby or, um, you know, back to Trevor Holmes and Andrew Hildridge or Carl Rackerman or someone, John Dyson. Like, why do you have to pick fairly middling ex-test cricketers? Like, that's just, you know, he says all the right things. He's got all the boxes ticked. But does he have that savant-style shrewdness that um, he's the one that can say, ah, this player, I, I, I was um, big on David Warner two years before everyone else was. Um, that's the sort of person that we want. And the only way you're going to do that is ask for people to disclose their betting records and show a massive profit betting on cricket for, for, throughout their lifetime. And I bet he doesn't have it. The only thing about Donamade that concerns me is the fact that he he hasn't got any experience in the T20 field. He obviously didn't play, but also he hasn't coached, hasn't um, you know been around the T20 circuit. And I, I just wonder if that's a little bit of a, a disadvantage. Should they have brought in someone you know closer to George Bailey's generation? Oh, Ben Dunk, surely. You know, he would have fit, fit the mould perfectly, you know, pretty good but not brilliant. That's um, that's exactly that's the type of person they should have had. <laughs> I know what to say. Paul's so upset about not being given the job. I know. No, it's not me. I'm, really not, I'm, I'm not upset about me not getting it. I'm just upset that it's always the clone of the same person that um, I, I just don't think that they have a demonstrated uh, – the way that he answered that, it, it wasn't like he's had a passion for selection and that he is just better at selecting than other people. Pick someone like from Crickviz or somewhere or someone that is um, um, just not the, the same old tried and true ex-cricketer method. Well, Tony, Paul's watching you. All right. Let's- <laughs> Watch right. your back, Tony. 
It's second. I listened to his press conference actually, and he look. He comes across as um, you know a smart guy. He he had glasses on, which you know instantly you're <laughs> more of a selector than if he didn't have the specs on. Um, and look, he, he said all the right things, and, and he did point out that he doesn't think um, Pat Cummins being a fast bowler should stop him from being captain. Um, so look, that's Thanks, something captain obvious. Yeah. Thanks, Scoop. <laughs> Right. There's up. an article in The Onion once, the satirical magazine, where it had uh, uh, Jordan Spieth wasn't sure whether he was Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson, like the, basically making the point that the golfers, one golfer just um, merges into another. Do you think that Tony <laughs> Dottomate is confused as to whether he is Tony Dottomate or, or Greg Dyer or um, Andrew Hilditch? It could be any one of them. <laughs> I can't wait till we have him on the show. <laughs> Tony, I can't wait to have you on. I was actually, um, I was at one of his first test matches years ago. All righty, well, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with our World Cup 11s. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menas. I'm with Jaleesa Apps from Network 10 and Paul, the ex-Summer Game Dennett. And it's now the time many listeners have been waiting for where the, the three of us have each selected our World Cup 11 uh, for Australia to face South Africa on Saturday night. And I guess, you know, being chivalrous, Jaleesa, would you like to go first? Yes, I would like to go first because I think mine is the best, having seen yours. Wow, okay. <laughs> okay, so I am running with Aaron Finch, in order, obviously, Aaron Finch, David Warner, Steve Smith, Mitch Marsh, Late change for me. Did have Matthew Wade in up until last night when I went, you know what? God. No, yeah, and I was like, you've had too many chances, mate. And this format does not allow for easing into things. You're gone. Josh Inglis, well done. Congratulations. Welcome to the side. Glenn Maxwell, Pamarcus Stoinis, Pat Cummins, Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood, and Adam Zampa. So I've obviously only gone with one spinner. I... The first two that I'm selecting, which is um, a bit different to, we'll get to yours, Menas, but a bit different to a few other people, Shane Warne. Uh, the first person picked for me is Steve Smith. And the uh, second person picked for me is Josh Hazelwood. And purely because Josh Hazelwood, I think you couldn't you couldn't look past somebody who's been performing so well in those conditions. He's obviously won the IPL title since we were last on, uh, on uh, Cricket Unfiltered. Um, so I think Josh Josh Hazelwood is the first bowler picked for me, uh, and I'm only running with one spinner mainly because I'm not convinced any of them can really spin the ball sometimes. So I really struggled as to who even to put in there. But I went with Adam Zamper. He'll have to lose his spot. He's just you know got it for now. Um, and last night, Warney didn't. Warney left out Steve Smith, and I just think that is the most preposterous thing I have ever heard leaving out Steve Smith. And the reason is, is because he's the first person picked for me. And the reason is, is because I, I look at every single batter that we have and they all have the ability to score single, like, you know, single figures. Whereas I think Steve Smith is the only one where if it, the going is a bit tough out there and it's a bit of a, you know, bowler's pitch, I think, he's the only one that actually can play a bit smart. He's not going to score super quick, but he's not going to throw his way his wicket for no reason. The amusing thing about Warney was that he picked 
He was picking players from the reserves. He, was, like, he, he had was Dan Christian in the side. Weren't eligible. <laughs> I was like, Wardy, what are you doing, mate? And I, I actually know on the if you're a long term listener, I am a big Wardy fan, but I don't know where Wardy was last night. Just, just to digress, while I think of that, in the commentary last night in one of the games, Dale Stain was in commentary. There was appeal, an appeal for leg before when it hit, hit him on the full, and he said, "What is the LBW law when it hits them on the full these days?" And I thought that's an interesting <laughs> thing for Dale Stain to say. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Uh, no, that's pretty much it. I, I just, I was just so shocked that he left out Warney because I, uh, sorry, he left out Steve Smith because I just thought that is the only person in there where if things are going all to shit, he can, uh, he can sort of steer the ship a bit and, and bring a bit of calm and not throw away his wicked panic. Where have you got uh, Maxwell batting in your lineup, Jaleesa? I have Maxwell. Uh, he's at number Six for me, oh, willing, ridiculous. willing, that is willing to, waste. willing to move him uh, uh, over Inglis. Though that was when I had Wade in, so I probably would put him actually at five and Inglis at six. So you want to give Steve Smith more overs in a T Twenty game than Glenn Maxwell? One thousand percent. Because if everybody is out there panicking and throwing away, you need somebody out there to just control and and calm everybody down and you know, be the steady hand at one end, 100%. Well, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. But I can look, you know, Steve Smith's a great player. Yeah, and you know what? The thing is I sometimes think we all get lost in, oh, Steve Smith isn't as good of, um, you know, limited overs format as he is a test player. He's still better than a lot of people. Like we seem to think that that makes him not good. It's just not, he's not as good as he is as a test player. But even like last summer in the ODIs, he proved that he can score quickly when he needs to. I don't, I think it's a myth. All right. Well, good team, Jaleesa. I actually don't have a, you know, a lot of arguments with it. I've gone for a slightly different lineup. Um, Paul, do you want to shoot yours out? Yeah, now obviously, um, if I had my own way, I'd have a very different squad. But from the squad that I picked, and also I probably would change the opening batters, but I just don't want to have to deal with everyone saying you're an idiot. So mine is... <laughs> this listeners by saying, oh, you know, I told Paul plenty of times that it could only be picked from the squad that was there. And I still see in the notes a draft squad of players that are currently playing in the Sheffield Shield. Uh, but continue, Paul. I only put that in there because I knew it would annoy you. And guess what, listeners? While we were, we were both editing the Google Doc with the notes and I could suddenly see amen has appeared and I could say, oh, here we go. And it's like, this is violating the laws that I had prescribed. You must not do this and blah, blah, blah. So, yes. There's knew- a Google Doc? Yeah, you've been invited on it for months now. You've just never shown up. <laughs> <laughs> I never write in the Google Doc. <laughs> <laughs> anyone has a spare laptop, just send it to Jaleesa. <laughs> no, please don't. I like disconnected. All right. So for what it's worth, Warner and Finch, then three Maxwell, four Marsh, five Smith as a floater, six Stoinis, seven Inglis, eight Cummins, nine Swepson, ten Zampa, eleven Hazelwood. Uh, my idea would be to get Maxwell up as high as possible. I'd probably open with him, but I'm happy with him at number three. Uh, if there was a wicket in the first over or two wickets straight away, maybe Smith could go up. Um, but otherwise, I'm happy with him uh, sort of sliding down as well if, if we are going really, really quickly. Um, I'm just not all that confident about our bowling attack. That I, I echo, I hear Jaleesa's point about the spinners, but I think 
with the conditions over there and just the way that it prevails in T20 cricket, uh, I'd rather a spinner than a quick bowler. So I'm going to take the two spinners in. Agar didn't bowl all that well last night. I still haven't lost complete faith with him, but I'm willing to give Swepson a go. Um, I've omitted Stark, even though I thought he bowled okay last night. I just think he's the most likely to be expensive of the bowlers. Yes. Um, so, yeah, um, goes against my nature to pick Mitchell, Mitchell Marsh in any side, but he has played so well, uh, albeit last night he bowled appallingly, but he did bat one, well once again. Um, so, um, you know, um, that's probably what I'd probably come up with for the first game against South Africa. Can I also say um, I am also only really putting Aaron Finch in there because he's the captain. He's going to have to, like, do something. I mean, he did last night. Which was this good. could definitely be his last World Cup for Australia. If he has a poor tournament, then he could be cut before the 20-over World Cup next year and then the 50-over World Cup the year after. He's not looked the international batsman that he once was for a while now. He yeah. looked all right at the start last night. He he had that crazy, um, you know, Warner charged the first ball he got and nicked off. Uh, Finch looked like he had uh, somewhere to go. So Warner, did uh, oh, unlucky, poor Warner. That was a ripping catch. I mean, when it's going badly for you, it really does. Everything goes against you because. Have you got journal articles to cite that to, to prove that? Well, that. How well, does the universe know that it's going bad for you? Out of ten, would have whistled away to the third man boundary for four. But the laws of physics change because he's in a bad trot. Uh, just like I think he obviously, I believe in superstition and the bad luck. You know, I think it was unlucky. <laughs> oh, everyone says that. I just it just annoys me when people say that. Anyway, <laughs> go on, give your side. Alrighty, so uh, I had a a really um, a fractious debate, a selecting meeting, putting my side together with yourself. Uh, yeah, multiple personalities. <laughs> that shocks me. You're so normal. <laughs> and my real issue is that, and, and it's sort of what we spoke about when the team was picked, that they just don't have the role plays that other teams do. So there's no real specialist finisher or Christian is, but he's not even in the squad. And there's no sort of late order power that you can rely on. The spinners are average at best and I, I had a really tough time putting my team together and it made made me even less confident in Australia's chances I mean I was sort of getting brainwashed by the the PR lines that Finch and all of the the squad have been putting out that they think they can win but when I look at this team I just don't think they can it's just it's a weak it's a weak squad and a weak team so going into this selection meeting, I did take into account that the general super kings um, <laughs> won the recent IPL yeah. predominantly pace bowling. And therefore, I think Australia actually should go with our strength. I think Agar and Zampa will get hammered in the World Cup. So therefore, I've gone on Webster as my spinner in the um, World Cup. And um, he's untried, but I, I like the fact that a lot of international players might not have seen a lot of him, so he might be able to scoot through the World Cup um, a little bit under the radar. So Swepson's my spinner, and then I'll go um, up to the top of the order. So Warner and Finch opening, but really, if I'm being honest, I would have Smith opening for Finch if I could. And, and that's where I'd like to see Smith um, go as time goes on, I'd like to see him opening the batting in 20 over cricket and perhaps 50 over cricket as well. But Warner and Finch up the top, Mitch Marsh, number three, Glenn Maxwell, number four, 
Josh Inglis, number five, Marcus Stoinis, number six, Matthew Wade, wicketkeeper and vice captain, number seven, Pat Cummins, eight, Stark, nine, Swepson, ten, Hazelwood, eleven. And that's my team. I was sort of thinking, you know, you've got the four main bowlers there and then you've got Stoinis, Mitch Marsh and Glenn Maxwell that can fill up the fifth bowling spot. I think that as the tournament progresses, you could see Smith come in for Wade or Inglis, depending on how they both go. But generally, I don't think there's a spot for Smith because I don't think he can bat in the top three. And if he's not in the top three, I don't think there's a spot for him. Oh, it's just madness to me. How will you feel when Wade comes out to face some uh, a spinner like he did last night? He just, I just doesn't doesn't inspire me with any confidence. Bring in Smith for Wade and give Smith the gloves. He's a better <laughs> keeper anyway. I think Wade's got a phenomenal T Twenty record, both domestically and internationally. You both have short memories because he was player of the series in the or player of the series for Australia when they took on India at home earlier this year. Yeah, that's because, and you're you're going to say this is me not being true to myself. I say the batting order is overrated in its importance. It's not got no importance. That's because he's going out and opening and on hard Australian tracks and and smashing it everywhere. When he comes in at number six or seven and a high-quality spinner is bowling, um, he just doesn't inspire me with any confidence. Last night, first ball swept it straight down to fine leg, out he goes. And I thought, that's exactly what I expected he'd do. Okay. Would you want Steve Smith coming out with like three overs to go and say, Smith hit sixes? No, he it's not his game. Whereas Matthew Wade's a slogger. He can come out there and finish innings off. Uh, and I think he, he works well yeah. being sort of just behind Stoinis. He's got sort of right-hander, right-hander, left-hander. Uh, I think it's a good lineup. I, I think a true. team without I think a team without Steve Smith is at real risk of panicking and being all go out for well under a hundred. Yeah, I agree with Jaleesa. And that's why I think have him as a floater, that if we are uh, flying yep. along, bring in someone else. But especially yep. in those games where the other side's got 150 and we're suddenly um, you know, two for forty off five and things are starting to get a bit tight, that's when you yep. want him out there. But to 100%. your point, man, is with three overs to go, if um, Smith came out or um, Wade came out and there was, you know, 40 needed off three overs, I'm not sure who I'd back to do the job because, yeah, maybe Wade can hit the ball a little bit further, but I think he's also, as I said, likely to get himself out uh, pretty much straight away against um, high-quality spin. I'm more mean like when we're batting first, but look, I just don't think Australia should go in with this attitude of playing sort of conservative T20 cricket. I agree. We go in there. Marsh, Mitch Marsh has um, been in electric form. He may not be everyone's favourite cricketer, but he certainly is at the moment having a purple patch in T20 cricket. So you've got to try and benefit from that. Maxwell's a big hitter. Inglis, we saw him win a game for Australia last night. I'm not convinced about Stoinis. I just, Never feel like he's going to dominate an ICC tournament. He always seems to have something wrong with him when the pressure's on, but he still is a better option than Steve Smith. Steiners can clear. Oh my God. All a bit. You're over the goose. Why am I goose? Is this something to do with um, Langer or something? Do you think that Smith's been one of the ones white adding Langer and your desperate loyalty to Langer? Yeah, must be. Must be. Something like he's, oh God. This is so unhinged. You think Stoinis is better than Steve Smith? In T20 cricket, yes. Wow. He, he can wow. Play. He's a big hitter. 
And, and I just like it. Wow. Did you see the way he got out last night when the game was on the line? Stoinis, one of the most exquisite lofted off drives I've ever seen. He hit it effortlessly. And the way he picked out long off, it was just <laughs> so, it was like the American military had um, put a smart bomb into it. It was just perfection. And that was, you know, that, that was absolutely glorious. I mean, Steve Smith looked shocking in the IPL. He looked awfully out of touch. So. Yeah, but you think- Steve Smith, sometimes, you know, when have, how often have you seen Steve Smith look a bit average and then come out and just win games for Australia that are desperately need to be won? Like, he is the reliable one in that team where everything, if everything's going to shit, that's who you want there. Not in T20 cricket, it hasn't been. A hundred percent. No, I, I, do, I disagree with you. Anyway, we, we shall see. The one also to me that um, I was very willing to drop and was a very nervous selection was Stark for me. And uh, Kane Richardson is waiting in the wings for me. He bobbed well last night, Kane Richardson. He was I, really good, yeah. yeah. Um, I think ultimately I'd pick um, Cummins and Hazelwood. If they're going to just go with the two quicks, they'd be my two because they're more likely to uh, not get hit around. But they all can go the journey, obviously. Now, Paul, uh, I'm just going to read out some of the players you've named in your side that uh, are in Australia. Cameron this was Gray. partially to troll you. This yeah, is I'm amazing. I'm the one reading it out. Manus Labuschagne at number four. Uh, Cameron Green at number seven. Moses Onreeks at eight. Stephen O'Keefe at ten. Howard Armour at eleven. But but jokes aside, I would back Stephen O'Keefe and Farwood Armour. Oh, I was about to say the same thing. In this World Cup ahead of uh, Zampa and Agar. Like 10 times I would. Yeah, Yeah, I don't hate the sock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a good side. It's just um, it's saying that all the quick bowlers tend to go that get smashed. Like last night, um, Saudi got smashed. Jameson got smashed. Mohamed Shami um, got smashed. Boomer didn't get smashed. But it's, it's kind of like... Only the very, very best ones consistently don't get hammered in, in, in T20 cricket in those conditions especially. And I just think it would be interesting to see if we went in with an all-spin attack and a couple of um, seam-up deliveries from someone like Enriquez. Enriquez is in that side is primarily a bowler. <laughs> yeah, I like the Australia going in with an all-pace attack and play to our strength in this tournament. But we will see start this Saturday. And I think um, tomorrow, which is a Wednesday night Australian time, there's a practice match against India on it, I think, 9 p.m. Australian time. So Can't wait for that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. really family-friendly time too. Up. Yeah, I love I love warm-up games that have nothing attached to them and, um, you know, players retiring and stuff. All right. So you, okay. <laughs> I just don't get into warm-up games. I'm just like, okay, all right. Like last night, that Kiwi-Australia game, there was no spirit in it. It was, it was like a glorified net session. Yeah, but it's it's better than not having it on. Yeah. Like it's better than having to just sit with your own thoughts at night. I was watching it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, imagine sitting with Menace thoughts at night. <laughs> that would entertain you for you, one night. I don't know. Have, past that. Have you two watched Squid Games yet? No. No. Ew. Why would I watch that? Well, it's like the most successful show ever on Netflix, so. 120 million people can't be wrong. Apparently there's a, Cron- a Hansi Cronje um, show on Netflix. Yes, it's called Bad Sport, and I haven't watched this episode. I've watched the first episode, which was a, a basketballer, I think Headache Smith, in, in the college basketball fixing games, and I'm going to get to the Hansi one. And so uh, it's an American production? Yes. 
Oh, I love that. I love when Americans take interest in cricket. That's one of my favourite things in the world. Well, yeah. Has anyone put- been watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Because I think Eric and you. Nope, haven't been watching that, Jaleesa, as you imagine. <laughs> okay, weird. <laughs> Eric and you what? Anyway, well, let's not get you, into it. Just, you, you'll <laughs> have to catch up. Start from season maybe like 13. If you pay me $1,000 an episode, I'll do it. Wow, Jesus, who's paying me? <laughs> I know, I'm just saying that's, those are my terms. You can accept them or deny them. <laughs> I found a reality <laughs> show called Little People, Big World, which is about, um, you know, um, smaller people um, living in the world, which is I'm finding quite enjoyable. So Little People, Big World. All right, we'll take our final break, and then we'll be back with Can't Let It Go. Just a quick one, you know, with Tim Payne going to retire sometime, do you sort of see yourself as an option, as a an attacking option like an Adam Gilchrist at number seven? Um, oh, that's that's a long way ahead. Payne is still doing a fantastic job as, as captain and and um, in the test team. So, um, yeah, I'm not really thinking too too far ahead about that. Um, sort of just concentrating on the now and, and we'll see what comes down the track. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. That was Josh Inglis just nudging my question out to mid-off for a dot ball. Wouldn't be you are really yet. ready to move Tim Payne on, aren't you? That's right. I'm really ready to get <laughs> Josh Inglis into all all the teams. Yet he wasn't in your starting 11, I noticed. He was. He was. In was it? Yep. Was he? Was, yep. Warner Finch, Mitch Marsh, Maxwell, Inglis at five, Stoinis at six, Wade at seven. Oh, I see. Sorry. My apologies. Inglis is a match winner. We have to play him. No, I agree. I agree. Definitely. Yeah, get rid of that Steve Smith guy that averages seventy in Test cricket. What has he done to you? I love Steve Smith. I'm a, a Steve. Smith it doesn't sound fan. like it. I am a huge fan, and I wanted to open the batting, but till they move on, Finch, he, he doesn't get a spot on the side. All right, can't let it go. Time that little bit of cricket news you just can't let go through to the keeper. And I'm going to open up with this one. Got a message from Cricket Australia today that 2,344 hours of cricket are being covered on all platforms by CA. That's, you know, the international stuff, the Big Bash, the Shield, the Women's Big Bash, the Women's National Cricket League. So that's 2,000. 344 hours of cricket to consume over the summer. I cannot wait. I agree. I actually signed up to KO last night because the Australia-New Zealand game wasn't on Foxtel. KO was fantastic. As always, I'm not getting paid to say this, but I would be happily paid to do so. Um, I recommended heartily from an honest, um, honest proposition. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Yeah, it's really great. It's great. It's got a few glitches. Sometimes you'll notice when you're halfway through watching a game, you're like, hang on, why am I watching now an hour ago? Because it'll just randomly jump all over the place. But in terms of uh, having, um, being able to watch everything, KO is the way to go. If you are still on Foxtel, you're living in the past. You're living in 2008. KO, if you do want to sponsor us, I'll go back and delete that bit about the glitches for you. Yeah, and Fox, if you want to um, sponsor <laughs> us, we are more than willing to get rid of our KO. I think they're owned by the same company, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They're all the same. <laughs> but, 
you know, different budgets. I know how TV works. <laughs> Edith Fox Creek is a listener to this podcast. Everything you say has just been delivered straight to the boss of Fox Cricket. <laughs> Great. Well, if he's listening, come on and pay us. Pay us. Pay. I hope he's a Patreon. What's your can't let it go? Mine? Yeah. Oh, um, so mine was going to be what we talked about earlier with the um, WBBL, but we, we did that earlier. And also I noticed you put it in your can't let it go as well. But um, the other one is just uh, I mentioned that I have am going to do Super Coach. So BBL, as you mentioned at the start of the show, I'm going to be doing the BBL Super Coach this year. I have never done it before. I've never done any fantasy league before. And I, when I actually posted about that, I, it, it was quite funny because then I had some people DMing me explaining cricket because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've never done cricket supercoach before. So then they were explaining to me cricket, which was really <laughs> funny. So, no, I get the cricket. Thank you very much. I know they were all very well-intended messages, but I understand the cricket. It's the super coach part of it that I do not and the strategy and the logistics and I could just see myself ending up in such – a whole of either obsession or frustration. So please send me all your super coach tips. How many people have reached out to you saying they want me to join so they can beat me? A lot of people actually have reached out to me and said that, and there's such a, there is such an appetite there to flog you. Like, <laughs> like not one person has reached out and said, like, gee, wouldn't it be fun for Menace to join? <laughs> all of us have reached out and go, can you get Menace on joy- to join so we can all beat him? <laughs> <laughs> There's quite an appetite. So it's a real shame that you're not going to be. And uh, and obviously I did mention to you and Paul about it, and I was so shocked that, Paul, you didn't already do it because it seems like such a thing that you would be insanely good at and actually dedicate the work to so i was shocked that you weren't already doing it and a little bit pleased because i don't need you to embarrass all of us but uh man is there's still a window there you need to get in uh, it's very kind of you julius i think if i did it i'd um as i said on twitter you've got more confidence in me than i have in myself i've looked at it once or twice and just the need to change the squad all the time it just got too much like hard work but maybe maybe i'll do it who knows yeah, I found the Supercoach product for the Big Bash not quite as compelling as football ones where you have more defined rounds and it's sort of easy to get a gauge on your team and uh, planning ahead. Um, but, yeah, look, the other thing is, I'm, you know, it just takes over your life. life. I did a, a Premier League one a few years ago and, you know, you're up at three in your morning adjusting your team and <laughs> uh, changing your captain at the last minute and uh, it's just very, um, I guess, you know, it's slightly addictive. Oh, that's scary to me. Right, well, what's your can't let it go? Oh, this was awesome. If you haven't seen it, go onto Twitter and have a look at the Cricket Scotland account. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there was a press conference after Bangladesh lost to Scotland. Now, I've actually tipped Bangladesh as my um, outsider to win the World Cup, so I was disappointed that they lost. But my wife's family or relatives are, are Scottish, and she's got some. Uh, we've got some Scottish cousins who are out here, and I was telling my my cousin that you know they're playing in the World Cup, and of course, no one in Scotland kind of knows it's on. But um, after the match, when Bangladesh had lost, and poor old Mum Dula was fronting up for the press conference, he starts to answer the question, and there's this racket suddenly. You can hear this indistinct noise, very very loud group of people sort of singing. Um, and it suddenly becomes apparent that the Scottish players in their dressing room 
are making so much noise it can be heard through the walls. And then all of a sudden in one, you hear, Oh, flower of Scotland. And they're all singing this song passionately. And the press conference has to stop. And Mum Dulles is sitting there like, I don't need this. And it's, <laughs> it's just, it's just bloody funny. And it's just like so cool. And I watched the highlights of the, the, of the win. And yeah, it's great. I mean, um, they look like a pretty good side and it did make it to the, the Scottish newspapers. I, I, I sent out a tweet where one of the papers, in an otherwise flawless article, wrote something like such and such a player scored forty four off scored forty four runs off twenty five runs, and I thought they're just learning. Um, <laughs> <they'll get better. laughs> so yeah, really happy for Scotland. Good. My second team got hammered last night. I used to live in Holland or the Netherlands, so I often um, put them as my second team, and they they were looking good at two for fifty one last night, and then. Um, What's his name? Curtis Camper. Took Curtis Camper. Wickets. That's one thing we haven't mentioned. The, four wickets the, in four balls. Yeah, the uh, the double um, hat trick, which I think is still a very weird name for it. But anyway, you know why? It's because it took me a while to work that out. I, I, I thought it was a weird name. And then one day I realized, oh, it's it's because it's a hat trick one, two, and three, and it's a hat trick two, three, and four. Yeah, I know. It still sounds like it's six wickets in six yeah. balls, though. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Um, Explain that. It just took me years to work out, so I was excited that maybe someone else was as equally slow as me. But you're not, you're not obviously. <laughs> well, well, no, I don't think anyone did actually know what it was until he did it. Well, I certainly had never come across it before, and I think a lot of other people, judging by all the comments I saw on Twitter, had never seen it before. Um, Curtis Camp, yeah, Curtis Camper took four wickets in four balls, and then he hit the winning runs. So he's just having, he just had a really great day. Good for him. Yeah. I guess that's it for this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. Any parting words for our listeners? Uh, No, go well. Yeah, go well, get vaccinated, and uh, let's cheer the Aussies on in the World Cup. Yeah, and if you're, like, trying to stay awake, I like to have um, an orange parade and a Vegemite sandwich. Excellent. I like if of- you're really struggling to stay awake and all else has failed, get up and do the umpiring. It's a great time to listen to Cricket Daily. We're also releasing them on video on YouTube. So um, have a listen to Cricket Daily. And uh, thanks for listening to Cricket Unfiltered. Send my best to Steve Smith and we'll be back next week. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.